Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 33. Today we're talking about teaching form. We'll also share some highs and lows from our week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. Oh, so it's time to talk about our highs and lows for the teaching week. Yes. What do you have, Carrie? Well, I'm going to share a low. Oh, okay. uh, A disappointing choir moment that I'm having right now. So I was really excited about choir the first half of the year because this is really the first year I've done it at yes. the school. And I had, and you've had a great turnout. I've had a great turnout, and I was really pleased with this group of sixth graders. They were all girls, but still I had a good core group of sixth graders who came and have been singing really well, and they're great leaders. So so fast forward to now, second semester, I always tell the kids, you know, well, this, this is kind of a start over, you know, a reset button for choir. Anybody who wants to join us will be invited to join. And if you've decided, you know, your choir commitment's done for the year, you can be done. Um, but unfortunately, I like lost all of my sixth graders, almost all of them. Aww. I have a couple of girls still hanging on and that's good. But, you know, and I know it's a peer pressure thing and I get that. That kind of, you know, these are kind of the cool girls of the school, yeah. you know, and if one or two of the cool girls decide they're not going to go, then their friends follow suit. But I was just a little bummed that that Well, don't take them... it personally because yes. sixth grade, yeah, I've had several years where like sixth graders just start disappearing like in February. Right. And that's just how it goes. And, and yeah. I totally get it. And I get it as a parent. I mean, my son sang in his school choir the first half of the year. They didn't have choir the second half of the year. But um, he, you know, said to me, I'm really glad we don't have choir anymore because it was just one extra thing, yeah. you know. And he sings in the Colorado Children's Crowd. He's right. taking piano lessons and he does sports. And it was just one more thing to do um, that it was kind of nice for all of us as a family to have one less thing to think about. But from the teacher's point of view, it's always a bummer when yeah. you... But I did have some new kids join, and I have some fifth graders who have really stepped up in place of now, the sixth graders. Now, you do fourth, fifth, and sixth. I do fourth, fifth, and sixth, yeah. Right. So I do have a very good, strong core group of fifth graders now, which is awesome. Yay. And I'm hoping... And some boys, too, which is great. Fifth grade boys. So I'm really hoping that they'll stick with it. Um, but, you know, it's always hard when you come back to that first rehearsal and, like, yeah. none of the sixth graders are well, there. And it's yeah. honestly making me think rethink my literature because, you know, they were really strong singers and could definitely carry a part. So uh -huh. I might not do as much two-part stuff as I was originally thinking. We'll sure. just see. Maybe the fifth graders will step it up. Yeah. I have high hopes, but I also want to be realistic. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes in the next couple weeks. So that's mine. How about oh, you, Tanya? Okay. Well, um, I have a choir-related um, high, actually. Yay. Um, I've been struggling with my choir, well, for several reasons. I have a lot of kids who are very enthusiastic. And yes. while I appreciate their enthusiasm, um, they can get quite talkative and not as quick to settle and focus. Mm -hmm. Also, I have third graders this year because I haven't had... Uh, I don't have sixth graders starting right. this year, so I thought I'd open it up to third grade, and that has been a learning curve for me. Um, I also had to not have choir for um, about a month because of my um, medical condition earlier in the school year, and then right. I wasn't able to sing, so it's kind of been like a touch-and-go choir situation. But um, for this last rehearsal, I just... 
before, um, a few days before, I said, you know, I got to make a really solid choir rehearsal where we don't have like any lag time because right. I think that's part of the issue as well. Yeah, is that good planning. I'm, just, yeah, like, exactly. Is that I haven't been putting in the planning time that I know needs to happen. Yeah. So um, I wanted to make sure that we did repertoire, of course, but um, now, especially at the beginning of the, of the the year, year, I wanted to include some more ear training things, oral recall things, and some sight singing, which we haven't done, and except for the very beginning of choir. And so I pulled out my three, three, three. You know the the Kodai three 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 of the singing little singing book, little tiny book, and um, I do have a class set, but I haven't used the cl- the class set in a while because it's kind of flimsy paper, and um, I frankly don't want to get them ripped. And I think I have thirty five, yeah, which is a good set for like a classroom, right? But not for a choir, yeah. Uh, so I just projected it, and we just sang like five exercises from the very first page of. Kodai's three three three, and it was awesome. That's it was, great. It's just do re and they exercises, liked it. and they liked it. That's and we cool. we were singing like on the staff. And the the beautiful thing about the three three three, well, all of it is that they have the stick notation. Yeah, and you have you know staff notation as well. Yeah. So um, that just was really great. It, it got them very excited about being successful, and we're using hand signs, and we're singing and sight singing. Inquire, which is what should be happening like all the time. Yeah. Um, but I had a very much smoother choir rehearsal in general because I was really deliberate about planning enough things that right. there wasn't lag time. I think that's something we all struggle with. Yes. But what a great idea. I hear about people using that 333 resource for choir, but then also for like playing recorder. Oh, and I yeah. think, how brilliant is that? Like, totally. I need to get mine out because it's probably just stuck on a shelf somewhere. But, yeah, that's a great idea to use it in your classroom with your kids. Yeah, it is a little bit um, crowded on the page. Yeah, and it's not very visually exciting. No, it's there's not. There's no cute little pictures going on or no, anything like it, that. No, there's not, and that's, that's a good thing. But maybe that's a good thing, exactly. Yeah, they need to get used to seeing that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if you, like, do a freeze frame on the projector, then... Um, you know, it makes it really easy for you to track, like... You can zoom in. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Great idea. Yeah. So for today's main theme... We're talking about form. Form. Teaching form. Yes. So this is the third part in our little mini-series, um, we're calling it, of teaching the quote-unquote other stuff. Yes, the other so stuff. So we've talked about how to teach instruments of the orchestra, some ideas for that. We've talked about expressive elements, specifically mm-hmm. dynamics and, and tempo. Yep. So now we're talking about form. Yeah, and one of the reasons that I think we really need to point out that when we're talking about teaching the other stuff, um, one thing that I love about Kodai-inspired teaching is that this other stuff really does come up or- organically yes. while you're teaching yes. rhythmic, melodic concepts. Um, when we were talking about the instruments of the orchestra, that's something that is really, truly other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But when it comes to form especially, and we've been talking off mic a lot yes, about how um, this is not something that like I have a special unit for. Like no. we drop everything. We're teaching form right now. Right. Um, it really does come up organically through the folk songs. Right. I have, you know, in the past, and I've gotten away from this recently, but um, in the past I've kind of made up a, a loose plan that 
if it hasn't come up organically Mm -hmm. by, you know, late April of first grade, I really want to try to be explicitly teaching AB form by the end of first grade. Right. And second grade, I tried to teach ABA form. Um, and I'm talking like big letter versus little letter, which right. we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, theme and variations, I generally tried to get into that. Yeah. You and know, the theme and variations, you do have to kind right. of like make a special. Yeah. When you get into like symphonic forms, you kind of, you might want to plot out kind of just big not so much very specifically like during the second week of September I'm going to teach this right. but you know just like by the time I'm done with fourth grade I would like to have covered theme and variations right and you know it might come up organically if you're doing something with twinkle twinkle right. and you it bring does, in the twinkle definitely. variations you know yeah. there are in ways first to grade, do it like we've been doing twinkle and then yeah you do bring in those variations and yeah. you you make a point of saying, hey, look, here it is a different way. Here right. it is a different way. But it's not a huge case study. Exactly. All no. right. Okay. So, so <laughs> I think first form, that I mean, it all comes back to the repertoire you're using. Right. So we have to make sure that we mention that, you know, beyond like labeled A, B, A or Rondo form, that we're talking about echo singing. We're yeah. talking about call and response songs. Call and response is huge because we do so much of it. It is so prevalent in our culture sure. and many other cultures, and it leads directly into the blues, jazz, popular music. Yeah. So call and response is something that you know we start way back in kindergarten. Right. And so I, I just want to throw out some favorite call and response stuff. Yeah. And as I was going through, I made sure these came from the – Holy Name song collections so that you can go find them. Yeah. But we'll put the titles in the show notes, of course. But I love Just From the Kitchen, and I do that one, like, mm-hmm. way young. Just from the kitchen, shoo with a handful of biscuits, shoo And so the kids sing the shoo Yes. And if you listen to the field recording through Holy Names... Man, it's it's really fun because they take it really fast. So it's like just oh. from the kitchen, shulalu with a handful of biscuits, shulalu. I know you don't like them, shulalu, right? Yeah. So the kids that are singing the shulalu, it's like just constant. It's got to go quick. Yeah, it got it's anyway, and it's a fun fun game, fun song. Yeah. Um, yeah, John the Rabbit is one that I know a lot of people do. Yes, ma'am. Uh huh. And there's <laughs> see yeah. what I did there. Yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, shoe Turkey yeah. is a fun one. And I kind of save Shoe Turkey uh, for fourth grade. I mean, I know people can do it, uh, have done it many younger grades. Right. But um, I like that syncopated feel mm-hmm. of Shoe Turkey. I don't point it out notation-wise. No. But yeah, it goes along with yeah, that whole, poorly. I mean, syncopation, the whole syncopa, I hit it hard in fourth grade. That's where we have it. Well, that's where I have it in my personal curriculum. Right. But, you know, in our school curriculum or in our our district curriculum, it's not till fifth grade. I know. I, I know. do it in fourth grade as well. I do it in fourth grade too. But so, you know, it takes so much for them to really truly understand that Cinco Pop yeah. that if I can pull in things like Shoe Turkey just to get the feel of it. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's. So, those are call and response. Let's talk about Echo songs. Okay. So, uh, Charlie Over the Ocean. Is a great one. Yes. And down by the bay. Yes, and I re- I do that through reading um, the the Raffi book. Right. Down by the bay. Which and is really there cute. Um, are I'm thinking both call and response and echo singing. There's some great John Fire Robin books. Yes. For both of those that splits them, you know, into there's two different books if I remember correctly. One that's specifically call and response, and one that's specifically echo singing. Of which? What are you? 
there there's like song collection books. Uh huh. Do you know what I'm oh, talking I'm about? sorry. I, for, I thought Not you were going with the books. picture books. No, 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 no. No, there are specific like yes, there is there a book collection. of I've, Echo songs I've got and a the book call of call and response, response songs. Yes, Echo songs. Yes. yes, and we really need to make sure that we're very clear that a call and response song is different from an Echo song. Yes, because in a call and response song, the response is always the same, but the call varies. Yes, and it's the caller who um, has to be creative and often improvises the text exactly and so this is what i love about call and response is that there's so much lomax footage that you can show uh-huh. um like work songs from a texas prison where uh they are singing they're hammering away they're chopping on you know chopping wood and there's one leader who is singing and making up stuff and everyone else is responding and they're all with the beat right you could also talk about the sea chant shanties and you can talk about um you know there's call and response work songs that are all throughout history yeah. all areas of the globe i show um the walk in the tweed Oh, when we get this. into the blues, yeah, it's another Lomax recording, and it's um, Scotland, and women are doing a Kelty, which is like a work party. Yeah, and they are um, stretching out the the tweed, which oh. has been soaked in urine. What? Yeah, well, that's how it. That's how they like. <sighs> they like stretch. They water it down and soak it, and and then stretch it out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you gotta, I should put it, I'll put okay, a little link Tanya. to it. No, it's great. <laughs> it's it's fascinating. Well, yeah. Um, and then there's a, a woman who is leading it and, and singing, and they are as they are, it, it looks kind of like they're like kneading dough. Interesting. But it's called walking the tweed. Oh my. And they're stretching it out. And then everyone like respond, like, you know, there's a call and then they all respond and, it's how to make the work go faster, just yeah. like in any of these. And exactly. you can find a lot of these on YouTube. Right. I mean, the Lomaxes, oh my gosh, there's so much wonderful stuff yeah. that we have video of, too. That's just, anyway. So call and response, so hugely important, leads right into the blues. Um, another call and response thing that I, I try to show right before, as we're getting into the blues is... Um, there's a documentary that you can't show the whole thing to the kids because it's a history of the blues thing. Yeah. And there's a reverend um, talking about the tradition of call and response as being a spoken word thing um, of like African hunters coming back and saying, hey, I killed this this beast. Yeah, you did. And now we're going to fire up the, and we're going to eat him. Yeah, we will. Ah. And how, you know, so, and then you also see, um, him preaching like a gospel you know southern yeah baptist like full-on preaching where he's saying you know he's he's speaking the words of the lord and the congregation is shouting out right so here is your call and response yeah like out out of the music but right. like in real life yeah and it's just a really nice to link all that up and show this kind of evolution sure I mean, not even evolution, just like yeah. common links. Right. This anyway, so love call and response, and yeah. it starts way young. Right. Um, so then the question is then, if you're doing even with, you know, young kids, kinder first, are you giving them some sort of, like, identification for the form, meaning, like, are you showing them, like, an icon, like, your part is the triangle part, and you're always going to sing the triangle part, or do you just call it the response? I just call it the response. Okay. I'm yeah. like, yeah, so... Um, 
your job is to sing, yes, ma'am. Yeah. I mean, in the classic way I do it is I yeah. grab like a fake microphone. Right. Whenever the microphone comes to you, you sing, yes, ma'am. Yeah. And they're so used to echoing that you got to like work them into this. Yeah, this is true. Right. You have so to be very I'll just. About that. I'll start even out of the song. I say, okay, you say, yes, ma'am. So whatever I say, what are you going to do? Yes, yes ma'am. Ma mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what I sing. You're going to say, yes, ma'am. Oh, John the Rabbit. Yes. Right. So you just mm -hmm. go into it that way. Yeah. And they're doing the response. And yeah, we call it a response. Yeah. Just using that terminology from the beginning. There's no reason not why not yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. But. Well. It's later grades that we really shine a light on. Hey, let's look at this. The response is always the same. The call is always different. Yeah. And then you talk about the improvisation that goes right. along. And those sea shanty things are really fun to to look at, too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, call and response. Okay. Um, other types of songs. We made a list of cumulative songs. Yeah. Not my favorite because my mind is gone and I cannot keep track. Right. We've mentioned um, before, you you like to put it up on the board. Yeah, I do. I I've written it on my hand. Well, and there's and lots before. of like visuals, PowerPoints that people well, have made sure. that yeah. you can like. That are kind of for the kids and mm -hmm. for you. And books. Yeah. Right. So the other day, the other day. Uh -huh. I'm at, So you got your cumulative and your an echo, echo going oh, on. Oh, boy. I am not a fan of the other day I met a bear just because by the time I get to the end of it, I'm like, can we be done now? Yeah. It's, it gets tired. But they love it. Yeah. Yeah. How about a uh, little aside for the other day I met a bear. Do you do it? I've done it hit, hit or miss some years. Yes. Some years do you so. mention the gun? Um, <clears throat> gosh, did I? No, I think I skipped that. Okay. I think I, I changed it I somehow. changed the lyrics. Yeah, I might have changed I, it. I say, um, let's see. Um, he said to me, he said to me, you'd better run, you'd better run. And it's supposed to be, I see you don't have any gun or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. And I, it's kind of lame because I changed it to, um, I I see this can't, I see this can't be any fun, be oh. any fun. Right. You know, <clears throat> I take that back. I think I did keep it in there because I figure, you know, hunting... We live in Colorado. I think oh, yeah. people get that, so I wasn't too concerned about it. I don't okay. know. Right. But it's been a while, so I guess I just don't remember. Yeah. But um, I Love the Rattlin' Bog is a great I do. Is I do song, and that's a great one for older kids. Yes. You know, different than just, you know, the green grass grew all around, which is great. I mean, right. I did kind of do that one with younger kids, and then the green and, Rattlin', and the Rattlin Bog, Bog for older, older kids, kids, and then they remember it's similar. But you I kind of ditched the green grass grew all around because I just... I couldn't keep it straight in my well, head. Well, there's that problem, too. <laughs> but for some reason, the rattling bog works with me. Yeah. I, I, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, is that a fire robin? No. It's the green grass grew all around. Is that wait? I know fire robin, like, that's part of his collection. But yeah. is there a picture book that I goes? I don't know of a picture book that goes okay. with that. Well, no. there you go. That yeah. should be. Um, Should we talk now about, as we're starting to talk about the evolution of, you know, doing this from younger to older, the difference between... Between phrase form and big form. Yes, we should. <laughs> and all roads lead back to um, Kodai-inspired teaching. And those of you who have gone through Kodai levels or are going to be going through Kodai levels, on most analysis forms, you have a place in the form yeah. to talk about the form. Right. And for a very long time, I did not get why this was an important thing. Right. Right. Um, one thing that I really appreciate what we do at Colorado State University is that we really parse out the rhythmic form, 
Yes. From the melodic form. Yes. And I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing for students to be able to identify. The rhythm is the same, but the melody is exactly. different. Exactly. Yeah. And that is really important. Um, you, you've got to have both rhythmic and right. melodic form. Well, and then in teaching form in general, I, you know, will do activities with kids where we're doing the phrase form. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll write it as little letters or ask right. them to write as little letters. And then when we're talking about you know, pieces that have big sections. So, like, for example, when I'm doing A, B, big letters, think about the song Rig a Jig Jig. Mm -hmm. As I was walking down the street, A section. Rig a Jig Jig and away we go, B section, which is a really great piece for that because the meter is different, right. the feel is totally different. Um, but I think it's important to distinguish that, even with kids from an early age, that when we're talking about the big sections being mm -hmm. different, we use big letters because then that's going to lead to analyzing symphonic things later on sure. doing these bigger lessons. Well, and it's lessons. all about when we're talking about the little form, that's about patterns. Yeah, exactly. And when we're talking about the big form, that can be that's that's more of a contrast. Yeah. Cuz I can introduce a song to any grade and say Listen for how many parts you hear in this song. And I'm, and I'm not talking about, like, vocal parts. I'm not right. talking about part work. I'm saying, okay, I have this song for you. Your job is to listen and figure out how many parts you hear. And if you sing rig a jig jig they are, most kids are going to come away with, oh, I heard this distinct part. Yes. I heard this distinct part. Yes. Right? But if you're talking about the phrase form, yeah. the kids tune into that when you throw those four measures up, like, rhythmically especially, um, and the kids go, wait, I see a pattern. These first four beats and those the, the third line of yeah. beats, those match up. Yeah. And that's when you can go to town and say, okay, let's use a little apple and yeah. a little apple here. Yeah. And is this one the same or different? Oh, it's different. We call that B. And pattern, in the younger kids, especially younger grades, it's all about patterns. They recognize patterns in math and in yes. reading and in so many things. Yeah. And so for you to tie into that is just, I mean, this is what we're attracted to in music is pattern, exactly. right? Exactly. That's what we want to hear yeah. over and over again. And I think that's just something that, you know, the same thing you were saying with the analysis form. It took me a while, I think, as a teacher to realize that I needed to make that distinction and I needed to separate when I was going to talk about those things in time. Mm -hmm. So, like, I talk about you know, the little letters in the phrase form pretty early on once right. we're learning, you know, our first rhythmic things, we can talk about what's the same and what's different. Mm -hmm. But I save the big letter stuff for, for later, later in the year totally. because I don't want them to get that convoluted. Right. So just something to think about when you're planning it out. Yes, yes. Right. And and that, again, all of this should happen pretty organically within yeah. the repertoire. It's all about the repertoire. Right. And in a Kodai-inspired classroom, that's what's driving your curriculum. Exactly. Is the repertoire that exactly. you're using. And I know a lot of or folks are going to, you know, use form as a way to incorporate improvisation exactly. and composition, yeah. which I feel like that's something I know I need to do a lot more. Um, but it's a great way to, to be like, okay, use a familiar song that they know mm -hmm. as the A section. Right. The students have to come up with the B section. Oh, sure. You know, something different. And I have definitely done yeah. those kind of things. Like, okay, we're going to sing Bow Wow Wow as a group, and then we're going spotlighting this small group because they made up four 
measures yes. of a rhythm that they're going to be playing on their choice of percussion instruments. And then we all say, so we're going rondo, yeah. right? And then we all sing bow, wow, wow again. And now spotlights on this group. So yeah, you definitely can get creative Call with the improvisation on that. And also piece. with the movement too. Right. And, and that is like more in the orf realm. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, but there's no reason that you can't since you brought up Rondo, do you have a specific time uh, grade level wise that you kind of introduced that term and that in that fr- that term Rondo that you first use that with the kids um around third explicitly grade. Yeah, yeah I feel like me too around I we might dabble with the idea of Rondo but mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm necessarily defining it and making sure the kids are explicitly aware and of I, it's a really they pick on up, up on it pretty well because yeah. I always say Rondo hey, it's like the word round. Right. And we're coming back around yeah. to this A section. Yeah. Like, here we are. We came back around. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of, it's it's not a, it's not a challenging thing for them. Um, and it just makes so much sense because we want to resolve back to that big section that we all know again. Right. Right. Um, then dance, we were going to mention how, and we talked about this when we were talking about favorite folk dances, mm-hmm. that uh, dance really, you definitely are pulling in this idea of form whenever you're doing any kind of organized dance, right. not creative mo- movement. But right. Yeah. So on the chorus, we're all moving this way, mm-hmm. you know, and on the verses, we're all moving this way and this thing happens. Yeah. So that's excellent is the movement part. Right. Really, really you know, helps them understand that. And I, I would like to do more creative movement in yeah. that realm because you could, for sure, not just improvisation, but have kids create things, movement that go along with this section. Right. I remember when Brent Galt came and um, presented for Rocky, this is just an example, he used the skating, the Charlie Brown mm-hmm. skating. And during the A section, there was something specific he wanted us to do that was in our in place. It was stationary, but we were just moving our upper body or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in the B section, is when, you got when we got to skate around yeah. and do the creative movement, but that was or more free. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. And then we went back to the A section right. for the end. So that was just a really concrete and there's way. Lots of like listening yeah. lessons like that. When you hear this, you go back to. Right. Yeah. In fact, I was just doing um, the Viennese clock. Yeah. Codize, and I have uh, a bunch of TikTok blocks. Mm-hmm. And so when we get back to the day section, then we have to stop and whoever has a TikTok block stands and plays their TikTok block. Yeah. Right. So when we're talking about like big form. And we're not just talking about phrase form. We're not really talking about folk songs anymore. We're talking about right. masterworks, yeah. which is that whole folk song to masterwork idea. Yeah. Because really, um, you're looking at big pieces of music. Exactly. Right. There's a couple. I mean, I mentioned uh, Rig a Jig Jig is a good one for sure. teaching A, B. Um, for A, B, A, big letter A, B, A, I like to use shoe fly. Because mm-hmm. um, you have the shoe fly, don't bother me, is your mm-hmm. A. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel like morning star should be. And then it goes back to shoe fly, don't bother me, for A. So I find that that's a good bridge, that we use that as, you know, a, a song that we sing, and there's a little singing game that goes with it. But then that's going to bridge us into 
like you said, post yeah. songs to masterworks, and then we're able to listen to some pieces. Exactly. Yes. So I think for me, ABA, I often think of Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Mm-hmm. Granted, there's a little interlude in there, and then there's the coda at the end, and yes, you can talk yes. about that. But that's just a, and you know, it's a, funny because the coda is not always done. Exactly. I always find that weird, but yeah. but that's a really good one. Yeah. For ABA specifically, and then um, I'm guessing that many of you do this too. But you know, to be able to engage the kids and have them do something physical when they're listening to something. Mm-hmm. Um, I have these little cards. I think I actually got them through a Rocky Make and Take workshop, our local Kodai chapter, and there are little cards, and the A is a certain color in the shape of a triangle. Right. And the B is a certain color in the shape of a square. I made my own a bazillion years ago with yeah. construction paper. exactly. And you pass them out, and yeah. they're like, hold up the A, yeah. and hold up the B. I think that's just, you know, just to give them something physical to do. Yes. You can also obviously have them create some sort of movement or show some sort of movement, but if you don't want to have them get up and move right away and have them intentionally listen first, those little cards are great. Yeah, yeah, totally. We want to mention a really great um, resource for listening lessons, um, and that is, we, we mentioned Brent called earlier, but his book, Listen Up, Fostering Musicianship Through Active Listening. And it's listening. a newer resource. Yeah. Um, and I've had the privilege privilege of seeing Brent Galt several times, a lot of the lessons that are in this book are things that I got to see, like at Oak Conferences. He came out for CMEA, Colorado Music Educators Conference, Uh years ago, and they're really excellent. And I mean, I've used several of them uh, with my students. They love the All You Need Is Love lesson, yes, um, which is just fantastic. I mean, he even has one um, to a Beck song. Yeah. That... I really dig. Yeah, of course. Um, and then that skating one. And uh-huh. I, I love fossils. I use yeah. that mostly for Titica. Right. Yeah. But, right. Um, yeah, Brent Galt stuff is He's gold. great. If you can see him present somewhere, definitely go. So another form thing that I think is worth mentioning, and Tanya mentioned it slightly earlier, is the idea of getting into the blues. And I know, Tanya, right. you do a big unit. On right. 12 Bar Blues. That's actually something that our district has us doing. Yes. Well, and it's in the Colorado State Standards yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, well, the thing that we always want to make sure that students understand that the reason that we're teaching whatever it is, is that it's still relevant today. Yeah. And while the blues is not like your average 12-year-old's like go-to uh, genre, right. it feeds into all, you know, into many of the popular genres that we have now. Yeah. And so it's it's this kind of like appreciation of music vein of how, well, you know, the reason we got to the music that we have today is through a lot of these other things. So yes. let's, let's not just think that it's all about old, dead, white composers. Yes, right? yes. That it's form is in all music and definitely you can take popular music of today and point out the form yeah unfortunately a lot of the popular music i'm not 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 all but when i hear songs and i think "Ooh, is this something i can pull into the classroom a lot of it is not um form wise interesting enough no it's is verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus and i'm not saying that there's not good (laughs) stuff out there and i'm not making passing judgment i don't know it's just no it's 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 got a predictable routine but that in itself is an interesting lesson for the kids it is definitely so you can pull those things in yeah for sure um with the blues i just really the kids i have them create their own blues. So we're learning how to play 12-bar blues. And we talk about 12-bar blues as it relates to, like, this harmonic progression that's not just 
in blues, but in rock and roll, we can point it out in all of these different yeah. places. Um, but then also with the lyrics, that whole 12 bar blues or the whole lyric form of AAB, like yes. the first line and the second line are the same. The first line and the second line are the same, but your third line it's different. It's not lame. I don't know. I'm just making <laughs> nice. that up. Nice. Oh, Good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so, you know, they can explore just like writing lyrics through that very simple model. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really fun activity because they can. I used to do it with sixth grade when I had sixth grade. Right. And I would do it um, kind of towards spring break. Uh-huh. So they had a lot to um, uh, complain about. To moan about. Yeah. <laughs> So now it's time for our work smarter, not harder teacher tip. Yay. And Tanya's got one for I us today. Do. I do. Actually, it's like a two for one because All I've right. got a low tech way and a high tech way. Nice. Yeah. So um, it's all about displays. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm repeating myself, but um, there are apps out there where you can scan things um, and turn them into PDFs. So, for right. example, you're at a workshop and, I mean... Of course, you want to make sure you're allowed to do this, yeah. but you take a picture of something that's displayed and you can automatically, I use something called Tiny Tiny Scan, but there's lots of them out there. Right. So you can turn an image into a PDF. Right. And it looks really good. Yeah. It looks really nice, better than your photo of it's going to look. Exactly. So it cleans it up and all that. And then you can also, once you email it to yourself or whatever, you know, download it, you can turn it back into a JPEG and like throw it on a PowerPoint yeah. and like really have a nice looking thing right. just from like photographs. Right. So that's one little, that's the high tech version. But yeah. then I've got a low tech version that um, I learned years ago from um, uh, excellent ORF te teacher, Barbara Ganoble actually. Uh -huh. And it's if you need to, if you're not able to project things via a screen or you're not sure that you're gonna have a way to project something that you need, like lyrics for example, um, one thing that I've done before is you can use those white plastic kitchen bags, trash bags. Okay. So you spread it out and you write lyrics or you write whatever. Maybe you're writing the form of something, your little triangles and your little circles. Yes. And they're clingy so you can like attach it to a wall without tape. Wow. Because they're static. I mean, you know how staticky yeah. and clingy they are. I mean, and they like stick to each other. I'm going to need roll. a video of this, Tanya. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you when I use this is that we have this um, outdoor lab, yeah. outdoor education. Like uh, it's kind of, in, it's in the mountains and it's uh -huh. like a school in the mountains where the sixth graders go. And yeah. um, it used to be that the art music and PE teacher would go up and teach a class during the week while they're up there um, and I never knew what classroom I was going to be in. Right. And definitely I didn't bring, like, any computers or anything. Yeah. It was, like, me and some drums and, like, then I, I used to do the butcher paper thing. Yeah. Right? And then I was, like, I remember this this little trick from, you know, this ORF teacher. And it's just much cleaner and um, it, they, they store better. And they don't get all wrinkly. Huh. So instead of like using the huge um, sticky pad things, right, where you have to roll it up and yeah. all that stuff, I mean it just 
And it's also white, so you're like writing black on white. Yeah. And you can make it different colors and all kinds oh of things. Oh my goodness. And, I'm gonna have um, to try this out. Yeah, and then you just like slap Sounds it up to fun. anything. I mean, you know, it's it if you're in your own classroom and you can go a little bit, you know, use something kind of nicer looking. But, but don't you find that sometimes in this high tech society we live in, now that, that the kids are all like amazed by low tech yeah, stuff, yeah, low tech stuff, that's yeah. like whoa, like when you bring out the dandy hearts and they're like, whoa, yeah, or just like any manipulatives <laughs> that are not, you know, something that on a smart board that they're, they're touching just, for real and yeah, not, they get know. all jazzed about it. So yeah, huh, so that's, there that's you go. Exciting. You can have your like cheap <laughs> low tech moments, low tech stuff. Yeah. And now for our CODA section, where we will rec recommend something we've been enjoying in the classroom, out of the classroom. We've been doing a lot of out-of-the-classroom things. Yeah, and mine is. Okay. Well, you know what? February is one of those times in the school year where you need a lot of extra, um, how shall I say, like things that are comforting and to look forward to yeah. that are outside your teacher life. I like it. Okay. And mine so, is music-related. Well, there you go. So there you and go. And mine is kind of sort of, too. So I watched a really interesting documentary, and I'm not much of a documentary person, but it popped up on my 99-cent rental uh, through iTunes. Ooh, but unfortunately, cents. I just looked it up, and it's no longer 99 cents. But oh. it's called Score, a film music documentary. Oh. And, you know, it was a little cheesy at times, as film music should be, but it really just went through the history of film music. Cool. And highlighted, you know, obvious composers. John and, Williams. Yeah, there was a John Williams. Do they talk moment. about Danny Elfman? But, yes, there's a <gasps> whole big chunk about Danny Elfman. Right. I thought of you because they were talking about the the band he was in. Oingo Boingo. Oh, Come on. Yeah, thank you. So, anyways, it was a really fun little watch. And then I made my husband watch it because he's a musician. He's an orchestral musician. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he's played a lot of these things. Because now, you know, the new hip thing is. A lot of symphonies are doing this where they'll play a movie. Oh, yeah. I'm shelling play. out big bucks so, for all the Harry Potters. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I played that one. And, oh, yeah, I played that one. How and, fun. You know, they talk about, like, Alfred Hitchcock and, you know, like, all these really, you know, distinct composers of films. So it's also, I'm looking now, it's also on Hulu. I don't have Hulu, but if you do, it's on there. So, again, it's called Score, a film music documentary. I had no idea. And it just came out in 2017, so it's pretty recent. So you watched it twice? I ended up watching it twice. I think the second time I didn't watch it the whole way through. But I did enjoy it. And, you know, it brought back lots of fond memories of movies that I loved. And it talked a lot, too, about the actual, like, emotional, physical response. Like, they had a, I guess, a psychologist. I don't even remember uh -huh. now. But she talked about, like, the physical response we have to music and the emotional triggers. And, you know, it was, you know, things that we all were already And they're pairing that musicians. up with the plot points and the But movie. I thought it was just really a nice, fun, interesting thing to watch. So cool. I liked it a lot. Nice. How about you, Tanya? Okay, well... I'm going to recommend another book. Another book. Another fiction book. Since your goal was to read a lot more. Yeah. You seem to be on track with this goal. I, I am. I've read <laughs> um, more books than I read all last year, yeah. just in this last month and a half. Um, anyway, so do you like the time travel? Um, sometimes. Do you like the indie rock? 
Yeah, not as much okay, as Okay, well. <laughs> but this sounds like it's totally And when people say, if you're like me, yeah. well, you know, you're probably not. But if you do like the indie rock and the time travel, I got the book for you. Okay. Anyway, it's called Every Anxious Wave, and I, I read it really quickly just because um, it had me laughing out loud, not because things were overtly funny, but because they were referencing, like, my music. Yeah. So it's, like, very... In fact... The um, main character is, like, my age, like, to the year. Yes. Anyway, and so um, he's kind of this washed-up indie rocker guy who used to be in a band, but now he owns a bar in Chicago. And I don't know why all the fiction I'm reading is based out of Chicago. It's really odd. Huh. Um, so anyway, but he owns this uh, bar, and he doesn't play in his rock band anymore. But then he finds a wor wormhole in his closet. Oh. Which um, is allows him to time travel okay and what he uses it for is um he and his like computer engineer guy friend they use it to just go see um shows from the past <laughs> that they want to see yeah, all these like bands specific again. shows from the, the oh past. that is actually but not even cool. again but like oh it was that classic show that you heard about that yeah you know the cure did and we're gonna go back there and right like, so and then they do um like kind of start up a, a little like they'll sell that opportunity to people but anyway, so the main character, and this is early on, so I'm not spoiling too much, um, his friend that helped him hook this up decides, I'm going to go back to 1980, and I'm going to stop John Lennon from being assassinated. Oh, my. Um, which is, like, kind of rocks the boat, because, like, we're not supposed to use this to change things. Right. Just to go see concerts. Yeah. Um, so um, the main character accidentally sends him, instead of to 1980, 980. Oh, John Lennon wasn't there. Well, like nobody is. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so his friend, um, who's able to text him through the phone, because the phone is still able to work through satellites, and anyway, um, is really not happy because he's stuck in oh, Manhattan funny. when it's like not, you know. There's nobody there. No civilization. Oh, my god. And gosh. so the rest of the novel is like, how does he try to save his friend? I mean, yeah. is it funny? Is it? Oh, it's so funny. It's supposed funny. to be funny. It's okay. really funny. Okay. And, I mean, you know, you don't have to, like, really be into indie rock because there's enough going on. There's yeah. a romance, too, in there. But you appreciated um, that added. Oh, my. I was, like, guffawing. Because I'm like, oh, my gosh, someone's mentioning this lyric. Like, somebody's yeah. mentioning this. I mean, the, the title, Every Anxious Wave, is a lyric by Subido, which is a band from, you know, back then. Indie uh -huh. rock stuff. Anyway. <laughs> Um, Every Anxious Wave by Mo Deviad, D-A-V-I-A-U. I don't know how you pronounce it, but okay. actually she's female. Oh. A female named Mo. M -O. Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Every Anxious Wave. I, it was fun. If you like the time travel, maybe it's for you. I'm just yeah. a sucker for that stuff. All right. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at Teaching Music, Tanya's Kodai Aspiring blog. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be talking about teacher resilience. It's February. It's a good time to talk about and it. And February is one of those months where um, teachers can feel a little despondent. Yes. So we'll talk about long-term resiliency throughout a career. Yeah. Yeah. 
until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.